G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate. And that's the horror junkie, Dominic. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff. The sort of fear your asshole knows about. As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast. All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. Hi, Kate! <laughs> Hi, Tom! How do you do? I don't think there's enough space left in the octave ranges for me to go any higher. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We just start have to get, having to produce it. Let's get some auto-tune on your Hi, Kate. Hi! <laughs> Hi, Kate! I like it. Um, how are you today? What's, what's news? I'm really good, actually. Um, yeah. It was another really busy week at work, so this is playtime mm. for me, and I'm really pumped about this story. I've been floating it around with a few people during the week, and uh, it turns out that a lot of people know about this story. So, um, yeah, this was I was saying to um, for our listeners, I was saying to Dominic last week that this is one of the only true crime stories that I've actually heard. I don't listen to heaps of them. I've listened to a few, but this was one of them that I've actually heard. But I'm excited to hear uh, Dominic's version of it <laughs> and how he tells the story. Dom's very classy, very accurate and uh, dramatic <laughs> interpretation. Filled with facts. We're a fact-based podcast here. Uh, accurate facts. We don't guess anything. We're both scientists, psychologists, uh, environmentalists, you know, all of the ists. Yeah. <laughs> so if you need any help with anything, you come to us. <laughs> this is really a problem-solving pod. 1-800-SHIT-AND-BRICKS. <laughs> 911, what's it. your emergency? <laughs> Fuck, Kate, the phone's ringing. <laughs> oh, no, not again. <laughs> all right, so topic topic of the week Mm. um if you don't know by now the title of this episode is going to be the mount washington phone scam so that gives it away a little bit uh i want to call it the maccas scam because i love it yeah australia we don't say mcdonald's we say maccas Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. but i kind of wanted to bring us back to the present a little bit this week because you know we went back through the the history books yes uh last week we went to egypt we did (laughs) We did. Oh, that was such a nice time. I enjoyed Egypt. It was really was really funny, fun. actually. I, I don't think we've <laughs> laughed as hard in that episode. So well done, Kate. Absolutely. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, but like in a more broader, if you've never heard of this story before, to give you a bit of a teaser or the reason why I find it so scary, it's because to me this, this topic or this story is really based around like an unseen evil. It's not in your face. You you can't see it, you know, face to face. And it's and it's yeah. a pretty everyday scenario. It's something that I feel honestly could almost happen to anyone. And I know during COVID, there's been a lot of phone scams going around. And yeah. I think it's like a little bit of a personal heartstring pull moment for me. I get really worried when I see old people getting scammed on the phone. Like, Oh, it's the worst. Oh, gosh. I used to work at a... Um you know, a tech retailer. Uh, and I ha- would have people come in with their iPads and, you know, their 
80 years old and they're like, what's this email, doll? I've got this email from the ANZ bank and they want me to send them my money. I don't know why they all of a sudden turned into like some bogan at a train station. But um, yeah, it was so awful because yeah, they're just so, they're just vulnerable. I hate it. I hate it when people pick on vulnerable people. Exactly. And, and this is, you know, possibly the most horrific version of it you could imagine, this, this particular mm-hmm. phone scam. But if we dig a little bit deeper, it's also like an exploration into the idea of people in positions of power having sort of unparalleled influence over others. You know, you think about it, what we, how we behave with police or doctors or dentists or lawyers, you know, we trust them almost implicitly and, and we do as they say almost unquestioningly, which, you know, that can lead to some pretty devastating things as we will undoubtedly find out in this story if i tell it correctly but um yes so this is the mount washington phone scam you ready kate yay i'm ready i was born ready babe let's go as you know i like to do a little bit of a disclaimer because i'm a sensitive sally Mm -hmm. uh as always we do this just to to pre-warn you before we get into the heavy stuff but if you haven't discovered by now kate and i uh, love to have a good old gas bag we like to talk shit we like to have a bit of a laugh Mm-hmm. We are really funny, um, but that's our <laughs> we way. We like to think so. Yeah, well, that, yeah. <laughs> My mum told me. Yeah, mum said so. Um, but yeah, humour is a way that Kate and I really cope with stress and fears. Um, it, it's 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 a cathartic experience, as Kate likes to say, and mm-hmm. you know it doesn't make these fears any less real. And we appreciate we touch on some pretty heavy topics, but uh, we mean no disrespect. And if you've got an issue with this, just move the F along, the bleep along. Yeah. Please complain. Write in and complain. Um, We've got a special folder set up on our emails now that will go directly (laughs) to trash. (laughs) Oh, so good. Okay, let's get into it. Set the scene a little bit. It is April 9th, 2004. Great year, the year I graduated. Congrats. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I made it. (laughs) Wait, is that graduating high school, uni? <laughs> high school. College? High school? Okay. Yes. <laughs> that one. <laughs> a high school which shall not be uh, divulged because it's a bit, it's, it's a bit, cons- it's a uh, what's bit of a hot topic at the moment. It yeah, is I was, yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> All right. So you got your ped license. Congrats. I, Good. I do. My blazer is currently on fire. Um, okay, so jokes aside, April 9th, 2004, a call was made to a McDonald's or Macca's uh, restaurant in Mount Washington, Kentucky. So that's the US. According to assistant manager, now get this, her name is Donna Summers. That is great. <laughs> I'm just going to assume and I'm going to picture in my mind Donna Summers, the performer. <laughs> For the rest of this time. There's nobody different. Oh my so, god, I couldn't. Donna Summer. I don't write this, I don't make this shit up, people. But... <laughs> we wish we could. We wish we were that creative and that intelligent, but unfortunately not. Okay, so before she started her career at Supremes, like all very famous yep. people, she started at a McDonald's. Obviously. Okay, so assistant manager Donna Summers... Um, a call came in and the caller identified himself as a policeman and he called himself Officer Scott. Now, the caller gave Summers a really vague description of a slightly built young white woman with blonde hair who was suspected of theft. 
Okay, sounds pretty normal. Okay. Policeman calls up. Mm. There's there's someone that's potentially a thief. Um, bit scary getting a phone call like that, but Summers totally believed the description provided, and she thought it was of uh, a woman named Louise Ogborn. And Louise was currently working on duty at that restaurant at the McDonald's. Okay. Okay. So she's gotten a call from a suspected policeman saying that one of her staff is, is stealing. So it's, it's a serious matter. And as a manager, you obviously, as the assistant manager, sorry, she needs to take this seriously. So the policeman, which by the way, if you haven't guessed already, he's not a real policeman. What? Mm. Stop right now. I never saw that coming. Yeah. So I'm on board. <laughs> we'll call them call him Officer Scott the police impersonator. Great. <laughs> it's a mouthful. So <laughs> Officer Scott demanded that Ogborn, Louise Ogborn, be searched at the restaurant because no officers were available at the moment to handle such a, a minor matter. Okay. Alright, so Ogborn was first red flag. Yeah, right. Really strange. Mm. But Ogborn, uh, she was brought into an office and ordered to remove her clothes, which Summers then placed in a bag and took to her car as instructed. So the policeman's giving Miss Summers these instructions of removing Louise, taking her to the office, asking her to strip. You know, it's, no. it's very, very strange. But again, you almost want to just trust whatever a policeman's asking you to do. How serious is this situation? Um, yeah. So she's complying. So Summers, as I said, she took those clothes, she placed them in the bag and they, and she took them to her car. Um, Ogborn was then put, uh, she then put on an apron to partially cover herself. And there was another assistant manager on duty, Kim Dockery. Um, she was present at the time and Dockery believed uh, that she was there to be a witness to the search. So Donna right. Summers has, uh, you know, someone else on her team to help her with with doing this. So, you know, there's witnesses involved. Okay. Which almost makes it a bit worse, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> now Dockery, the other assistant manager, she left after about an hour and Summers told the caller that she needed to be working at the restaurant's counter. Cause you know, all of a sudden three people off the floor, there's people lining up. They want their quarter pounders with twos. Which, ironically, today is McHappy Day. Oh. I don't know if you do, but today is McHappy Day. We support the uh, Children's Hospital. Ah! And everybody, so if you're listening to this, I mean, it's too late because if you're listening to this, McHappy Day has passed. But I hope you've all gone and bought a Big Mac because $2 is donated. Happy to look for any sponsorship around this. <laughs> happy to <laughs> happy to promote McDonald's anytime. No, but it, look, it's a it's it is a good cause. So that was just my little sidebar. But what? A, how ironic that we are doing this story today. It's it not ironic, Kate. Look, happy day. It's called really smart production values. <laughs> <laughs> It's called planning. Um, I mean, look, McHappy Day is, you know, it's the third most important holiday on the calendar. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm vegetarian, oh. so you can have all the Maccas yeah. for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> can do. Oh, that sounds like a challenge. I'm in. Okay, so back to the story. Dockery, the other assistant manager that was there as a witness for, for Miss Summers, she left after about an hour and, and Summers told this police impersonator, Officer Scott, that she needed to get back to the, to the restaurant's counter. Because, you know, she's got customers. Yeah, it's busy. It's my happy day. Exactly. And the caller then told Summers to bring in someone whom she trusted to assist with the investigation. 
So again, Summers is being asked to bring in another person to bear witness and assist in whatever this is. So Summers first asked uh, a gentleman named Jason Bradley and Jason Bradley was one of the restaurant's cooks. And yeah, she asked him to come into the office and watch over Louise Ogburn. When the caller ordered Bradley to remove Ogburn's apron and describe her, Bradley refused. So Officer Scott's asking this cook to forcibly remove the apron that Louise is using to cover her and asked to describe what she looks like. So Bradley refused. That's a good start. Thank you very much. But very good, he, Bradley. Yeah, but from there he didn't attempt to call the police. No one had considered maybe we should verify any of this. They're just doing as they are told. And look, I don't know what the political situation was like in Mount Washington in Kentucky. I if I had to hazard a guess, I'm sure there's probably a lot of racial tension and inequality right for the picking. And I agree. Yeah. Mm. So who knows what power plays were going on at this time, but clearly, you know, there there's something up here. So Bradley refused, but like I said, he didn't attempt to call the police to confirm any of this. So Summers, obviously a little bit flustered and shaken and, you know, probably even confused, she uh, she went on to go call her own fiance, uh, a guy named Walter Nix Jr., to help with the whole situation. Now he went to the restaurant and took over from Summers as well, just to to watch over Ogburn. So after being told that a police officer was on the phone, Nix could be seen obeying the caller's instructions for the next two hours. What? Yes. That's too long, Dom. Mm-hmm. People are waiting for their hamburgers outside. The fillet of fish are gone extra soggy and the two hours on the phone with this alleged police officer. Mm-hmm. And this That's too long. And this is the fiancé of Donna Summers. Like, he's not an employee at... Mc, Mc, I have to say her name every time. I'm so sorry. Every single time you say her name, I just... I immediately start thinking of the artist, Donna Summer. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. If you... This is a bit of an education piece for people. You know, there is a different difference between Donna Summer and Donna mm-hmm. Summers. So before any of you okay. angry people out there, fans start coming <laughs> for me, I'm well aware of the difference. Correct. Yes, I agree. Okay. I'm also there. Anyway, so Donna's asked her fiancé to come in and help with the situation. He's now being left with Louise Ogburn in this office for two whole hours. Now, Nix, the fiance, he removes the apron from Ogburn because, you know, the other cook had, had said no. Bradley's like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going back to the kitchen. You know, yeah. and Bradley, look, you could have done more, babe, but at least you didn't, you didn't take step over that line. Um, no judgments yeah. here. But uh, Nix, on the other hand, he removes the apron that Ogburn was wearing and ordered her to dance and perform jumping jacks while she was naked okay second red flag sorry but at what point would you even contemplate this as being something that was normal the flags are out the window yeah oh my god it's starting to become like a tapestry of red flags that's not okay yeah this is where it just gets it it gets a little bit icky so i'm just going to get through it because it's Mm -hmm. not it's not the most pleasant part of the story so nix has asked her to perform dance do jumping jacks uh, and then Nix orders her to insert her fingers into her vagina and expose it to him as part of the quote unquote search that the officer Scott is asking 
him to do. Wow. Mm-hmm. He also ordered her to sit on his lap and kiss him. And when she refused to do so, he spanked her until she promised to follow through. That's not okay. None of that's okay. No. Um, oh, it's just this poor girl. None of Ooh. this would ever fly, ever. Like, this. Ooh. no policeman's ever going to ask you to do that, this sort of thing. And this, this is 2004, okay? It's, ugh. Anyway, disgusting. Absolutely mm-hmm. disgusting. The caller, so Officer Scott, also spoke to Ogburn directly and demanded that she do as she was told or face even worse punishment. And she later recalled the incident saying she was genuinely scared for her life. Wow. A policeman, That's, supposed policeman yeah. on the phone's telling her to do this, nicks that the fiancé's being doing this. Um, of course yeah. she's scared for her life. It's so just crazy to think that you're so petrified and to stop whatever is happening, you could just put the receiver down, like hang up the phone and just, you know, go home or go to the police or whatever the case is. And it's just getting worse and worse. Like as we're, Hmm. I'm listening to the progression of this poor girl, what she went through. It's so, it just escalates so quickly and they're not even mm-hmm. stopping to think. Like, that's boggling my mind. They're not stopping to think, this power of Officer Scott. Yeah. It's crazy. Ooh. So, eventually, Nix does leave. Um, mm-hmm. he's, so, he's left and they're sort of like, they're, sta- they're, they're short on staff at the restaurant um, due to the whole, yeah. like, dinner time rush and... And someone really... And also the fact that <laughs> all the staff is in the back room. <laughs> yeah. Like, just... <laughs> following all these ridiculous requests from someone on the phone. Mm -hmm. Miss Summers, she needed someone to take Nix's place in the office. Again, she's working. She can't be in the back to handle this. It's her job too, I'm just going to say, but whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. She's busy trying to keep the the restaurant running. So, and Nix has decided to leave. He's had his two hours. Wow. And she needs someone else to take his place. So she spotted someone named Thomas Sims. Just by the way, we're up to number three here, okay? Yeah. Three men have been in this room. There's another one on the phone. Thomas is the third, by the way. We've had Bradley the cook who refused. We've had Nick's the fiancé, and now we're up to Thomas Sims. And hours have gone past, okay? Oh, God. So Miss Summers, she spots Thomas Sims, the restaurant's maintenance man. And he had stopped in at the restaurant just for his own personal, like, dinner, dessert. Um, And she told Sims to go into the office and watch Ogburn, like, watch over her again until this can be resolved. Sims, however, Mm. he refused to go along with any of the caller's demands. So, go Sims, all right? Go Sims. At this point, Summers Summers becomes really suspicious, finally. Yeah, oh my God, of, of what? Of any of the stuff that's just happened over the past four hours, Dal? Like, catch on. Well, the thing is, I, from what I understand, Summers was unaware, obviously, of what her fiancé had been doing in this office. She's busy working, but yeah, something is up and hours have gone by. Um, she does become yeah. suspicious and she decides to call a high-level manager whom the caller earlier had claimed to have been speaking to on another phone. Right. So, Officer Scott claimed to be... Speaking to this other manager. Mm -hmm. Right. So Summers, again, is assuming that this is all legitimate. 
oh, you're talking to my, my area manager? Sure, I, I guess we're just, this is legitimate. So speaking, so finally Summers decides to call her boss directly, which good, you needed to from day dot. But yep. um, she's speaking with her boss and Summers discovers that, that he had been sleeping and he had not spoken to any sort of police officer. She'd realized that the call had been obviously fraudulent. And as soon as she realizes yeah. this, the caller then abruptly ends, the, you know, hangs up. What a shock. Yeah, surprise. And an employee, another employee decided to star 69 before another call could ring. Really smart thinking. Love you, whoever you mm-hmm. are. Let's get on to this. Right. Star 69 it. And because they did this, they then obtained the number of the caller's telephone. Yeah. Quick thinking. Love this work. Great thinking. This is fantastic. Now, Summers was now hysterical. She obviously began apologizing and, you know, going through everything that you would when you figure out you've been a party to something like this. Yeah. Um, Supposedly, Ogburn, she's shivering and she's wrapped up in a blanket. She was released from the office after three and a half hours of this nightmare. And the police were called to the restaurant. They arrested Nick's the fiancé, on a charge of sexual assault. And then they began an investigation to find the perpetrator of the actual scam call as well. Mm -hmm. Now, the entire incident was recorded by a surveillance camera in the office. There's obviously some snippets of it, but there's lots of it, which I wouldn't... No one needs to ever watch that. Um, No. No. Or not the general public, anyway. Summers watched the tape later that night. And according to her attorney, she broke off her engagement with Nix immediately. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So it wasn't until... I probably like, would too. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Disgusting. Okay. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's foul. But the young girl... So at this point, the young girl is has like gone home. So she's she's been released from this office and there are police are starting to make arrests. Is that is that correct? So she is at least safe, as safe as she can be after going through such a gosh darn traumatic, yes. awful event. Luckily, okay. she is... Out of the situation, um, I'm assuming, or I would hope that some form of counselling and, and support was mm. was made available oh, because, God. yeah, you would need to. And I don't yep. think I need to explain. The ramifications from something like this is just huge. So I didn't want to dwell too much on the details of what happened in the space, but yeah. it's just good for everyone to understand all the players involved the assistant mm-hmm. managers, Dockery and Summers, and then also people like Bradley and Nix and Sims, you know, all people involved in this incident. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll skip ahead a little bit and let's look at the investigation, the arrests, and obviously there were subsequent trials. So Mount Washington Police, after doing a simple word search on the internet, quickly realised that this was only the latest in a long series of similar incidents that extended over a period of about 10 years. None of these incidents had continued as long or with as many people involved as the one in Mount Washington McDonald's. So that's why it's known as the Mount Washington uh, scam. So 10 years, someone has been impersonating a police officer and trying to get away with this sort of despicable sexual harassment and, and behavior. Can I ask something too? Do you, were they just on the phone? Do they have access to the, I'm not sure if your story is going to go into this, but do they have access to the video footage? Are they sitting in the car park? Like this is 2004. So mobile phones are around. 
Are you gonna Are you gonna touch on that later? Absolutely. Have I jumped the gun? Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. No, but it's, they're all really, really good questions. Immediate questions yeah. that I asked as soon as I started reading this, and I've never heard of anything quite like this. It's like sexual harassment and rape by proxy or something, and it's just yeah. And that's why it's I think voyeurism. Yeah. This this topic of you know power power play and, mm-hmm. and i think it's really important it's, it can be applied to so many things people in positions of power and what they can get away with yeah like when i go to you know mcdonald's say let's just say we're going to stay on the mcdonald's timeline but when i order an an ice latte with almond milk <laughs> i'm really like it's up to the barista it's like i it's in their hands are they going to put sugar syrup in it or are they going to read my instruction and not put sugar syrup in it? Like I'm powerless. How am I, I, all I can do is put the instruction into my menu. <laughs> if they do it or not, like. Depends on your karma, this is Kate. basically, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So if I'm Nix, I'm getting sugar syrup. If I'm Bradley, I'm not getting sugar syrup. Mm-hmm. Is that excellent? All right. They're doing you a favor. I'll try and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all righty. So this has been happening for 10 years and Mount Washington is uh, the most documented and most intense in terms of length of time, people involved, so on mm. and so forth. Um, so the poli- Mount Washington police have discovered this just by doing some go- good old Googling on the goggles. Doing the Google, mm-hmm. get the Googler. So although their initial suspicion was that the call had originated from a payphone near the McDonald's restaurant from which the perpetrator Mm -hmm. could see both the police station and the restaurant, police later determined that the call had originated from a supermarket payphone in Panama City, Florida. So Matt Washington's in Kentucky. Officer Scott, still at a payphone, is uh, Panama City, Florida. So he can't even watch from the sidelines. No. So having learned that the call was made with an AT&T phone card and that the largest retailer of such cards was Walmart, they contacted the police in Panama City. Now, the Panama City police informed the Mount Washington police that Detective Flaherty in Massachusetts was already conducting an investigation into this, uh, this person. Several similar scam calls have been placed to the Boston area, uh, similar restaurants. And Mm -hmm. Flaherty had already pulled surveillance camera footage from a Walmart in Panama City. In Florida. In Florida. So Officer Scott's in Panama City. He's calling all over the country, it seems. Kentucky to Boston. Um, Mm. And another, you know, another, another investigator's already on the, on the chase. So they've got surveillance uh, camera footage of the Walmart in Panama City. So following Flaherty's lead, the Mount Washington police used the serial number of the phone card to find out that it had been purchased from a different Walmart than the Walmart that sold the card used for calls to Massachusetts. So Officer Scott's buying lots of phone cards from different Walmarts, but still around the Panama City area. Okay, gotcha. So they're on to him. Yes. So using the records of the Panama City Walmart, which showed the cash register and the time of purchase of the phone card, Mount Washington police were able to find surveillance camera footage of the purchaser, obviously Officer Scott. And Mm -hmm. the Massachusetts investigation had gone cold when their surveillance video failed to show the purchaser. So it took the Mount Washington police to, you know, they had their own phone card, their own timestamp, their own Walmart um, mm-hmm. they, fa- they found Officer Scott 
sadly, the Massachusetts investigator, the surveillance footage wasn't there from their, t- okay. their time card. So everyone's talking to everyone. And we all know previously, especially during the 70s and 80s and even the 90s, police departments did not talk well to one another. So really glad that this happened this way. Yeah, absolutely. The purchaser in the Panama City video was wearing a correctional officer's uniform. Right. Which uh, it's the kind of uniform used by the just general Corrections Corporation of America. So it's quite a well-known and, and uh, obvious uniform. Okay. Uh, and and uh, people that this particular officer, Scott, he was working for a private security firm. So he was wearing this uniform, but was actually working for a private security firm. videos and still photographs from the two Walmarts were compared and the same man was seen entering and exiting the Massachusetts Walmart and the Panama City Walmart. So it was Mm -hmm. obvious that they've got their person. They've done the the old put two and two together. Classic policing. I love that little dance step. It's quite... Your parents are very (laughs) good at the old one, two step. (laughs) Oh, one, two step. They could do the lot. They could do the trot and the dip and the spin and, you know, all of those classic dance moves. And Kate and I just break a hip and... (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. I just get out of bed these days and I've got a bloody busted hip. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's get this sucker. Let's find this this officer Scott. Yeah. Now they've got yeah, this, where's this officer Scott. Yeah. They've got the surveillance footage. They've got the still photographs, all that sort of stuff. And they've, um, able to put together a bit, a composite of what he looks like and get that image out there. Um, and as soon as they got that image out there, there was a bunch of queries, um, and they were able to track him down through the private security firms, human resources department. Go HR. Excellent. Go HR. Um, and they found his identification and his phone number. And it turns out his name was David R. Stewart, a married man with five children. And he was what? arrested on the spot. Isn't he busy enough with five kids? Mm-hmm. Like, aren't you busy enough to then have this absolutely messed up hobby that causes pain and trauma across from Kentucky to Massachusetts? And you've got five little little kids Rascals. running around like yeah give me a break what a shit bag mm, that's i couldn't have said it better yeah i've <laughs> never used that term before <laughs> i was like literally when you said that i'm just watching over the video you said it and then the look of confusion that came across your face what a shit bag, bag? <laughs> i like it all right so Stuart, we're no longer calling him officer scott he is not an officer so he does not get to use that uh, title we're gonna just call him exactly. shitbag Stuart. shitbag Stuart, <laughs> okay. the old sbs you <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> now during his questioning by police uh shitbag Stuart insisted he never had bought a phone card but detectives oh. found one in his home surprise surprise that had been used to call oh. nine restaurants in the past year including macca's old uh, rival burger king or we call hungry uh-huh. jacks Mm-hmm. Uh, in Idaho. Uh, and on the same day when the restaurant's manager was reportedly duped by a scam call, police also found in Stewart's home dozens of applications for police department jobs. So he's like, he's making these phone calls. He's applying to become an actual police officer. Right. Ugh. Wow. Um, he's clearly obsessed with 
police officers like and just police in general he's got all these applications he's got dozens of uh, like police magazines and police style mm. uniforms he's got bunches like a bunch of guns and holsters and i mean look this is america everyone's got guns or almost everyone's got guns and Sometimes people are into, you know, certain uniforms for their their, oh. their sexual proclivities and I'm never going to judge. <laughs> Absolutely not. But my only, I'm just going to pause you on the um, the police magazines. Mm. <laughs> like, do they, is that like a whole, are we talking like a 50, 60 page <laughs> magazine dedicated to police? What would be in that? Okay. Do they just. Yeah. Kate, what's the name of a police magazine? <laughs> Stop or I'll shoot. Some, I don't know. That's that, that's not great. Um, um, uh, oh, what could it be? Donut days. Look, if you think of donut days, I like that. Donut days. Uh, it could be oh, lights and sirens. <laughs> oh, that's that, that goes along with the whole uniform thing. I like that. If you think of anything, if you're listening and you can think of a good title for a, a magazine dedicated to police, please let us know. Get creative, um, please. Mm-hmm. So it's quite obvious he's got a bit of a, a thing, right? And mm. they really, you know, some of the other people that were investigating him, they, they would often describe him as, you know, he almost fantasized. He had a fascination or a fetish uh, really about police officers. Yeah, now, it sounds like it. Shipbag Stewart was extradited to Kentucky to be Good. tried on charges of A, impersonating a police officer and solicitation of sodomy. I hate mm-hmm. that word, sodomy. Ugh, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. And the reason why he was extradited to Kentucky, remember, is they've just got a wealth of evidence. They've got multiple people involved. His, you know, the phone recordings, they've got the footage of surveillance of him buying the phone card that was used to make the calls, all that, all that jazz. So it's, think mm. of it as the strongest case, right? But there's clearly links to other stories here. Yeah. Now, if... Uh, shitbag Stewart was to be convicted he'd face up to 15 years in prison I don't know if 15 years is enough but whatever I completely agree that was the first thing I thought of when you just said that Mm. yeah not enough now on October 31st 2006 he was actually acquitted of all charges both the defense and the prosecution attorneys speculated that a lack of direct evidence such as a recording of the caller's voice might have led the jury to finding him not guilty what? Yeah. But the additional evidence of him buying the phone cards and then be- Oh my gosh. Okay. That makes me cross, Dominic. I'm cross. Yeah, it's disgusting, right? Now, Stewart remained a suspect in similar cases throughout the United States. Um, police stated later that since Stewart's arrest, the scam calls had stopped. So, oh, okay. essentially, he got away with this. He's out yeah. there, still. Still now, today. Yeah. So it was never revisited. They never retried. They never, well, because obviously the scam calls that stopped, it's not as if there was, but he's going to do it again. I think he would do it again. Well, it's, this isn't the most devastating part because rightfully so there's other people involved in this particular Mount Washington case, right? You know, don't forget mm-hmm. about our little friend Nick's naughty Nick's. Yeah. Oh my! I'm on alliteration fire today. Oh God, <laughs> stop it! You're just you're just burning this podcast up today. <laughs> you know. Um. So Nick's and Nick's got arrested, and Nick's was serving time, right? Well, I'm about to go into the aftermath. Okay. Of oh my God! I'm jumping the gun again. Because right. look, I'm left a little bit blue balled from shitbag Stuart getting away with what. <laughs> 
what he got away with. So I need just someone to, to pay. Okay. Just again, you know, if, if we haven't mentioned it before, um, Dominic and I are cousins. So the thought of him putting into a phrase that he's been left blue balled has it's thrown, me, thrown me off my kilter just a moment. <laughs> well, good. You can take your breath and pause for a moment and, uh, and I'll get into yeah. the uh, the well-titled aftermath section of this story. Bring it on. Now, poor Louise Ogburn, the victim. Let's just make that mm-hmm. as clear as day. Uh, she, did, she underwent therapy and medication to address post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. She abandoned her plans to attend the University of Louisville, where she had anticipated becoming a pre-med student. Uh, in an interview with ABC News, she said that after her abuse, she felt dirty, which is so common. You know, we hear this all the time from survivors of, you know, sexual abuse feeling dirty. And uh, she had real difficulty making and maintaining friendships because she wouldn't allow anyone to get too close to her. And yeah, you can't blame her. My goodness, your boss and your colleagues and your boss's mm-hmm. fiance have done the most ultimate betrayal of trust. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Now, Donna Summers with an S ended her engagement with Nix soon after the incident, which we know she was mm-hmm. subsequently fired from McDonald's for violating corporate policies, prohibiting both strip searches and for allowing a non McDonald's employee to enter the restaurant's office. Summers entered an Alford guilty plea to a single mm-hmm. count of unlawful imprisonment. If you don't know what an alpha guilty plea is, go look it up. I do mm-hmm. not claim to know enough about American law and, and law and yeah. order. <laughs> what was the, the one that introduced that to me, the, um, the Netflix documentary, the, what was the staircase murder mm. or something like that? The staircase. I think it's just called the staircase. So if you want to watch something and get a bit of an understanding of Alfred plea, that's also a good yes. one I can recommend. Mm. Uh, so she entered an Alfred plea uh, to a single count of unlawful imprisonment as a misdemeanor, and she was sentenced to one year probation. Okay. Kim Dockery, the other assistant manager, was transferred to another location. Walter Nix, the fiancé, he pleaded guilty to sexual abuse, sexual misconduct, and unlawful imprisonment. The judge agreed to a plea deal for Nix in exchange for his testimony against David Stewart. So, shitbag mm-hmm. Stewart. Shitbag, yep. Due to the level and length of his involvement in the physical crimes, Nix was sentenced to five years in prison. Holy shit. And that's not a holy shit. That's, you know, that's bad. It's the fact that then shitbag Stewart gets off and Nix serves time and I do understand as well you know Nix is physically doing this they've got video camera footage mm. in the office there's a lot more you know substantial evidence around his actions and he absolutely should serve five years if not more in prison for those behaviors but for shitbag to get off yeah the person I'm who's in- impersonating poor. a police officer directing him to do this yeah uh, yeah I'm just I'm absolutely gropable dumb mm. now Lawsuits. It doesn't even end here. Three years after this particular incident, uh, still undergoing therapy, Louise Ogburn sued McDonald's for $200 million for failing to protect her during her ordeal. Good. A fucking men. Yeah. Excuse the, the French. 
the, mm. the French fries in this, but I am angry as we all should be. Uh, yeah. The grounds for her suit were that a that McDonald's corporate headquarters were aware of the danger of a possible hoax because they had defended themselves against lawsuits over similar incidences incidents at its restaurants in in another four states. And B, that McDonald's had been subjected to similar hoaxes at least two years before the Mount Washington incident, and they had not taken appropriate action as directed by their own chief of security and as outlined in his memo to McDonald's upper management. There you go. Like, it's it, that is grounds for a really strong case. Mm. They've had this happen before. What did you do about it? Did you send out a memo to anyone? The head of your security has put it in a document. Guys, this is some bad shit. Let's get this sorted. Let's get it fixed. Let's protect our employees. And they did nothing. I hope they just copped it on the chin and signed that $200 million check, Dom. Mm -hmm. Please tell me that they did that. Well, Donna Summers also sued McDonald's. Okay asking for $50 million for failing to warn her about the previous hoaxes. Right. McDonald's based its defense on four points. One, that Summers deviated from the company's management manual, which prohibits strip searches, and therefore McDonald's should not be held responsible for any action of Summers outside the scope of her employment. Okay. Two, workers' compensation law prohibited employees from suing their employer. Yeah, don't what? even get me started. Oh, no. Three, Nix, who actually performed the sexual acts, was not a McDonald's employee. And mm-hmm. four, the victim did not remove herself from the situation, contrary to <gasps> common sense. Fuck off. So... That is a, it's your fault. You shouldn't have worn a skirt that was so short. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the ultimate cop-out. That is... So disgusting. I'm so mad right now. <gasps> like, I know we're talking about McHappy Day and I know McDonald's has done amazing and continues to do amazing things for a lot of people, but tell me that is not the most oh my abhorrent God. and disgusting and enabling. Yeah. Can you go back into the pod and just edit out that props for McHappy Day? No. <laughs> like it's more about the cause. It's less about the, it's absolutely the cause. It's not about the company. Um, we all know like Macca's, your big companies like Macca's, Disney, Amazon, Apple, all gross, all do gross things. Mm. That really takes the cake in terms of this story and what they're doing. You didn't use common sense in one of the, if not the most traumatic experience of your life. You didn't stop to use logic mm. to think maybe I'll leave because this is all happening. This is, yeah. I'm blown. My mind's blown. Well, that's why. My mind is blown. In this story, I wanted to focus less on the details of the actual incident. Just, I don't mm. think there's a need to, to dwell too much on that. It, it is kind right. of horrific and I don't want, you know, that's not a joking matter. I just find yeah. the the more important part of the story was this 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 last part this this the aftermath as they say and the culture and yeah the behavior is just disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, and I think as well, you know, when when we do talk about that sort of real heavy stuff, you have to have context. You've got to put yourself in the person's shoes. You've got to understand what they're going through so that then you can have the same reaction that I just had and just be absolutely disgusted about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's got to be touched on mm. So for, to provide that context. And that's what we'll, yeah, we kind of 
Oh, God. Yeah, look, a lot of mistakes were made here. Anyway, let me... I'm going to wrap up the lawsuits bit and then I'll just wrap up the story. We're almost done. Um... The trial began uh, on the 10th of September. By the way, sorry, uh, to, to answer your original question, yes, Louise was compensated for sure. Uh, so I'm talking about the Donna Summers uh, trial here. So Yes, okay. Uh, the civil trial began 10th of September 2007 and ended for 5th of October that same year hmm. when a, a jury awarded Ogburn $5 million in punitive damages and 1.1 million in compensatory damages and expenses. Summers was awarded okay. 1 million in punitive damages and 100,000 in compensatory damages. Okay. So Louise gets 6 point something million yeah. for this traumatic event. Right. That's nowhere near enough, mm. but you know. Now the jury decided that McDonald's and the unnamed caller were each 50% at fault for the abuse to which the victim was subjected. McDonald's and their attorneys were sanctioned for withholding evidence pertinent to the outcome of the trial. And in November 2008, McDonald's also was ordered to pay $2.4 million in legal fees to plaintiff's lawyers. On the 20th of November 2009, the Kentucky Court of Appeals upheld the jury's verdict but reduced the punitive damages awarded to Summers to $400,000. McDonald's then appealed to the Kentucky Supreme Court. While its petition was pending in 2010, Ogburn settled with McDonald's for just $1.1 million and abandoned her claim for punitive damages. After the court decisions, McDonald's revised its manager training program to emphasize awareness of scam phone calls and protection of employees' rights. And that Ugh. is the rather disgusting... And in my opinion, horrifying story of the Mount Washington phone scam. Oh my gosh. Well done, Dom. That was really well told. I really enjoyed that. So it just basically, you know, not that these stories would ever have a happy ending because of how just horrific they are, but that really just went downhill. Mm. Those poor people. I, and that's kind of the thing, you know, we were talking earlier about like our theme in terms of power that people hold and what you would do. And it's so challenging sometimes. And the scary part is, is putting yourself into that scenario. Like, what would you do and how would you feel? And, oh, it just gives me the hoobie-joobies. I do not like, do not like at all. Um, well, I was just having a bit of a look too, because I do remember listening to this podcast. Uh, sorry, yeah, a podcast about this one. So I just thought I would say I was, um, it's on the true crime case files. Mm. It's, case, it's case 157, the strip search scam. So if you want all the you know, even further detail. Not that you would need that because you've just, you know, you've heard the the crux of it from us here. Um, but I'm sure there's heaps of more stuff out there. That was just the one that I happened to remember. Yeah, there's details of, you know, all the other cases and incidents. And it's, you know, it's obvious to me that Shitbag Stewart was totes the person responsible for this. It's, Absolutely. I get circumstantial evidence and I get they don't have a recording of him and blah, blah, blah. But come on, it's it's obvious. And, you know, there were lots of people at fault here. Lots of people mm. at fault here. And Louise is the one that paid the ultimate price for people's oh, yeah. bad judgment, bad decisions and evil. Mm. And fear. Yeah. You know, they were just, they were frightened for whatever reason, personally, to, to force them to do this stuff. So it just, oh, yeah, it boggles your mind. 
What a creepy little story. Thank you so much for that, Dominic. I really, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Even though I, I did listen to it at one point, that was still really good. I had forgotten it. I listened to it a couple of years back. So that was really good. Well done. Uh, for next week, I'm going to do a bit of um, uh, providing advice. So, you know, <laughs> oh, I, there was go. an episode of you. <laughs> If you haven't listened to our episode, um, I believe it's episode one, which is about space. Mm -hmm. That's a story I tell and I really give you some handy, helpful tips on how to survive a few scenarios if you find yourself in space. Uh, next week, I am going to do a similar type of thing, but about the weather. So if you think about, you know, natural disasters, you think of awful weather. I mean, it, we're sitting right now, it's the middle of November here in Melbourne and uh, it's pouring with rain. So, it's flooding. You know, it's... Yeah, it's, it's flooding. Um, you know, so we're, we're, as Melburnians, we know about every type of weather because it usually happens in one day. Um, but yes, join us for that one because it's going to be really fun and you can bring your little notebooks and write down all of the advice I'm going to give you on how to survive extreme weather patterns. <laughs> A bit of context, everyone. Kate and I bonded over the movie Twister when we were very young. There are oh, memes of us in Twister. There are, I'm sure we could recite the entire thing right now in an episode, which we won't for, your, for your sake. No. Yeah, you don't need. I'm so You've already been through enough this episode. Oh, I know. Right? <laughs> you don't need us to be reciting Twister. Naughty Nixon, shitbag, shitbag Stuart. Shitbag Stuart. Yeah, uh, we don't absolutely. we don't need to dwell on them anymore. Um, I'm so glad you enjoyed it, Kate. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. I love that we break up these really horrific stories sometimes with some things that are a little less confronting um, or confronting yeah. in a different way. So um, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to hear what you've cooked so up for us. Um, I did want to do a couple of shout outs and reminders to everybody. Yeah. Uh, we have had an epic week. On the socials, I wanted to thank all the new podcasts and all of our new followers that have found us. Um, Ashwood Stories is a podcast that's followed followed us. Bizarre Tales podcast. Um, there's just so many. You're all so lovely, and it's been great to to connect with all of you. We can't wait to listen to your stuff, and don't forget. Absolutely to go watch our videos on YouTube. If you want to see us telling our stories in person, <laughs> <laughs> it really adds to it. You know, it does. Um, and we are now officially on Podchaser, where you can go rate and review us. And no one has rated and reviewed us just yet because we haven't launched just yet, but that's a technicality. <laughs> By this time. Yeah, look, by the time this pod comes out, we will have launched. So it's a good reminder. Um, but yeah, look, how have you not rated and reviewed us? We haven't even released, but how have you not rated and reviewed <laughs> us? How very rude. <laughs> oh, my God, we're such dags. <laughs> we really are. Oh, my gosh. All right, Kate, well, All I'll right, see perfect. you next week. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. Uh, have a great weekend. <laughs> Bye. Ciao. Fuck you, shitbags. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.